0: Welcome to episode number 22 of the Technician Academy podcast hosted by ASE Master Technician Richard Young. This episode is powered by AutoPartsUniversity.com. Quality reviews on quality parts at a quality price, AutoPartsUniversity.com. In episode number 22 of the Technician Academy podcast, Richard talks with Gerard Ulls, the professor of automotive technology at Jefferson College. Gerard has worked in the automotive field for 29 years, has an ASE Master Automotive Technician Certification, and has been with Jefferson College since the fall of 2003. Gerard shares his thoughts on why a trained technician is so important, why the industry has such a shortage, and technician repair shop interaction. We hope that you enjoy this episode of the Technician Academy Podcast, powered by autopartsuniversity.com.
1: Welcome to today's Technician Academy podcast. We're fortunate enough today to have Gerard Oles, professor of automotive technology at Jefferson college in Hillsboro, Missouri. Welcome Gerard.
2: Hi Richard. And thank you for having me. It was great seeing you this past fall for the aftermarket training that your company provided.
1: Well, we were happy to do that. And you know, your facility is one of those that I enjoy coming back to year after year. And recently you've had an update in the facility and and it was great to see that.
2: Yes, we did. We had a $300,000 renovation project to our shop, our automotive shop. We doubled the lift space. We're still kind of small, but we provide a very high quality education out here. We have repainted all the walls. We've installed new lighting. We have new cabinetry. We have a new air compressor and a dryer, a new exhaust fan. The shop looks fantastic and what we've done out here is we have set up our shop to be very much like a professional automotive facility. So when the students come in to go to work, and that's what we call it, the students have a grade for their shop and uh, they also have a grade for being uh, a service manager or a service writer in the course of a day. So they get the entire experience of a professional shop in the surroundings of a shop that looks like a very high quality dealership
1: yeah and that's one thing i've always appreciated about your facility is is the students i mean there was a service writer uh, role that a student takes and then the technician role out in the shop now so how long have you been with jefferson college gerard and what's the brief history of that program
2: i've been with the college richard for about 15 years i'm in my 15th year right now I plan on being here for a few more years because I really enjoy the relaxed, country-type setting we have out here. This program started back in the mid-60s. It was small and we dealt with the high school. We have a high school side of our program and we have a college side of our program. The high school side deals with about 11 local high schools. They come from all over the Jefferson County area and they come out to our facility in the morning in buses. Sometimes they drive their own cars and we work on their own cars. And then I, in the afternoon, I have a college class that starts around one o'clock and we get off in the evening and there's a parallel second year that is in the shop when I'm not in the shop. So we have a college side and we have a high school side. And both of those programs after the first year of instruction merge to go as one class into the second year of the program where they finish their education in automotive technology.
1: So the high school students are they getting a dual credit then for that?
2: Yes, yes they get a dual credit here at Jefferson College. We have a lot of programs like that out here so when the students come into our program they begin with shop safety and then they go straight into automotive brakes and the brake systems lab and they get college credit for it in addition to the high school credit. So they're basically getting an automotive, a nationally accredited automotive education for free through their local high schools. And it's working very well for it. We have a lot of students that enjoy coming out here, go back home on their buses, and we get them placed in local businesses sometimes in their first semester of work out here because the local businesses, they don't have enough workers to work in their shops.
1: Well, I was, I was going to ask, I mean, I, and I've been fortunate enough every semester that I've been there putting on training for Technician Academy and prior I got the fortunality of being in front of the high school students and they are involved. I mean, when we think of teenagers at that age, you know, we don't necessarily think of them being that involved or committed to something, but a lot of those students and it amazes me and it's credit to you and your staff and the faculty they're involved with the program. I mean, that's great.
2: Yes. Thank you, Richard. That what we try to do, like I said, I've been here for 15 years and I've learned a lot about high school students in that 15 years. And I have developed a style of teaching to them that seems to work for them a lot better than it did when I first started. So I have changed my method of instruction somewhat. I don't have just simply a chalkboard and a chalk that I use. I use a lot of different means to get my ideas across to the students, to spur learning, to allow the students to develop and to grow. Like I use YouTube videos. I use the smart board. I promote active discussions in my classroom, uh, which are, they're controlled. I don't let anybody you know, speak out of turn and just blurt things out. But we have good, long, honest discussions about things like Their schools and their futures, and how do they view themselves, you know, 10 years down the road? And I'm not just saying this to talk about it. I tell my students, and I firmly believe this, I I take an active interest and a personal interest in every one of my students. I know them by name. Some of them I know their parents. We get to the point where when I bring them in the shop, I'll say, Listen, you're not doing well in this skill. You need to work on this skill. I want you to do this today. And I'm fortunate to have the students actually listen because they take my advice to heart because I have so much experience in the field. They know that what I'm talking about is pretty accurate.
1: Well, I think that is from what I see and I'm looking at it from a point of view removed from, you know, I don't know their parents, I don't know their history, but I see a respect that those students have for you and your other instructors there and, and that's earned, that's not given. And I think you guys do a great job. So. Out of those high school students, roughly, what's the percentage that come on into the college program?
2: It's going to vary a little bit every year, but it's about 50%. Some of the high school students that come in the program, they don't want to be automotive technicians. They don't want to be automotive service riders or managers. Some of them come in the program just because they want to learn a little bit about automotive, and I don't have a problem with that. If they want to come in and learn a little bit and know how to do their own brakes and get a good dose of maintenance, So they understand how to maintain their car and then they want to move on. That's fine with me. I've had automotive students that have gone on. One of them within the last few years went to Oklahoma State University because he wanted to be an automotive engineer. And uh, he emailed me back and said that they had to build parts of a car from scratch in a shop. And he said because of the program he was in out here, he was able to use the hand tools and actually understood a lot of the concepts that they were talking about because he had that baseline experience in automotive technology that he learned while he was here at Jefferson College. So, uh, the students go a variety of different ways. I have them come in and go into uh, welding. I have them come in and go into carpentry. Sometimes they will go from one program to another just because they want to experience different things and. They've done well enough at their high school that they can enjoy the benefit of learning different things like how to build a house or how to cook. We have a culinary program. I mean, they go into all these different programs, but about 50% of them will continue on into the second year of the automotive technology program.
1: Oh, that's great numbers, really. So we talked about these continuing in and into the college program and, and eventually, hopefully into the field. What value does those trained technicians bring to this industry?
2: Well, I think the biggest value they bring, at least if you were to discuss it with the people that hire our students is an immediate benefit to the shop they're going into. The shops have to have what we call essential first day skills. So when these students come into these shops, they have to be prepared in a lot of different ways. It's not just how to change oil or how to rotate tires or, how to do a brake job and how to do a flush on a car and and the maintenance that's required because they all start off doing the small things like that before they develop their technical abilities even further and and move on what i'm talking about primarily is uh, the the soft skills they have to learn the soft skills they have to learn how to talk to other people in the class and older people how to become a service rider how to look up parts in our system Um, and we assign them to be managers so they understand full well how to actually make people do things in the shop. And it's a really hard learning experience for some of them because some of them are really quiet and shy. But at the same time, I've seen it bring students out of a shell. I've seen it to where the students thrive in that environment. I had a young high school guy the other day that was working in the shop and I made him my manager. He was very relaxed. He was doing a great job and at the end of the day, I went up and I said, come here, Zach, for a second. He walked over and I said, you know, Zach, I said, you did a heck of a job today as a manager. I said, you had full control of your shop. You handled everything that I asked you to do. And we give them a laundry list of duties when they're a manager. So he had to make sure all the tools were put back together. They were clean. He had to make sure all the cars were back outside with the windows rolled up and locked. He had to make sure that everybody had a job like scrubbing the floors and cleaning the tabletops and getting the shop ready for the next group that came through. He's also responsible for the tickets that we have in our shop, because we have service riders that make up tickets to have service work done on cars. He had to make sure that the people were all contacted about their car and the status of their car, which you know when you go into a shop, that's the way that shops run. You always have to keep customers on top of how their car is doing. And we require, they do all this stuff and it really matures them as a student when they look at how the other half lives. And that's one of the reasons why we do it that way.
1: Yeah. And that, like I said earlier, I mean, that's one of the things about your program that I've always appreciated and enjoy seeing happen, you know, giving that responsibility and you've heard me say it to the students, this industry is so broad, you don't have to stay underneath the car. You can do many different tasks in this industry, you know, the service writer, the, the manager working for OE, you know, being an engineer. So, yeah, I mean, I think your program and those that are are similar to it really are getting a group of technicians out there. Now, I guess my next thing is, is, is it enough? You know, we've been hearing about the technician shortage for several years now, but do you think that we're able to, to provide enough technicians, young technicians into this industry from the education side of it?
2: From my point of view, I say we're not. We have constantly been receiving calls. And it's, it seems like within the past five years, it's ramped up quite a bit. We've been getting a lot of calls for technicians, full-time technicians in respected dealerships, full-time technicians in like electric company, a lot of different shops wanting technicians, people wanting to work with us, people wanting to get an advisory committee. And we had the discussion in our advisory committee not too long ago about that. And what I'm hearing from the shops, both OEM shops and the aftermarket shops, is there's not a lot of technicians out there that actually want to get into the field. And the reason I say it like that is because we don't have enough of them to go around. So they're basically competing for the students that we have in whatever way they can. Sometimes they want to get them within the first two or three weeks in our program. And I have to tell them, you have to hold on. I don't know if this person is going to work out very well as a technician. They don't know if they're going to work out very well as a technician. We certainly don't want to throw them into a situation where they will not succeed. I think the focus on taking students in recruitment is a good one. I think it's a necessary one. It makes us kind of like a stepping stone or farm system for them. I think a bigger problem that some of these shops are going to be facing is retention of the quality employees they have. So there's a large turnover rate uh, I recently read some information from ASE that said that in the dealerships there's probably around nationally almost a 40% annual turnover in the employees that work for the dealership. Now that's a lot of students. We don't have that many to provide them. The local sh- schools that we have in this area I went to Ford training recently up in St. Louis and They told me that they need a great deal of students and they don't have near enough technicians that are coming out of the trade schools in order to uh, satisfy the need for just Ford. And that doesn't count General Motors or Chrysler. So it is almost, I think, at a crisis proportion in the field. And I think it is in the best interests of the shops to try to retain and to keep training like the training you guys provide. The employees they have, so so they don't experience the pinch that's still coming because we have a lot of people that are retiring and getting out of this field, and we don't have a lot of people coming up through the ranks, or at least not enough.
1: Why do you think that that's that way?
2: My personal feeling is that it's kind of a two-sided approach. One of the problems I think we have is the expectations that the beginning technician has for the field. They don't realize how technologically advanced these vehicles are now, and as a result, when they get involved in them, their eyes are wide open like a deer in the headlights, and they look at it like, holy cow, this is really a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So I think that deters some of them. Some of them don't care. They just want to get in there, and they want to do it, and I think that those students, if they want to learn and they want to improve, are going to go really far in this field because it's just that important that they get out there and do that type of work.
1: I mean, I guess my thing is I see the numbers you're talking about, the 40%. But I also see a 60% of technicians that's been in the field a while are actually leaving the field every year. So, I mean, a lot of turnover going on. And I think the technician shortage, I think you're right. We're at an apex of heavy need for technicians. And, and I, I'm not sure that the education field is going to be able to fill that need. And you mentioned something I want to go back to. You talked about recruitment and retention. Can the education industry help with retention?
2: I think the only way that the educational field can help with retention is if we give the students a realistic view of what they can accomplish. And we let the students know right up front, this is how this field is. But I think it's a two sided approach. And the other side that I think that has to be addressed somehow or another, and it's been kind of uh, stagnant for a long time, is the pay structure that we have in this field. Now, everybody knows if you want quality people, you're going to have to pay for them. Our field is no different than anybody else's field. I think if you want high quality people, you're going to have to step up and pay them. And in our field, we have a system of pay, and you know it as a flat rate versus hourly, that it's a, a point of contention for a lot of technicians. And I think that that needs to be addressed to aid in the retention of employees. Because if you have an employee that comes to work for your shop and you don't pay him like he thinks he should be paid, and I understand some people really aren't worth what they think they're worth, but if you have a really good master technician that has been in the field for a while, you need to promote him however you can to keep him. Now, that could be that you need to increase his pay. It also could be, and this has been a sore spot for a long time, a lack of recognition of the technician's abilities. I think for a long time in this field, it's basically, well, you've got your check, now go home and see you Monday morning and be ready to work. I think there's more to it than that. I think the technicians want to feel like they belong to something. I think they want to feel like they belong to a team. And I think the team approach to the technicians in a company is huge, and it's, it's underutilized right now. I think if we had shops that promoted a teamwork through a perhaps a profit sharing where you can link the income of the shop with the earning potentials of the technicians, I think you'll have a shop that comes together a lot more. I think you'll have a shop where the workers work together better. I think you'll have a shop that has more solidarity, and then you'll have less loss of good, high-quality employees. You'll also foster an atmosphere in that shop of people that want to work together, of people that want to succeed, of people that know, well, if I work hard and I do the job right and I can reduce my comebacks by relying on these other people in the shop, everybody here is going to earn a decent living. If you can have that mentality where they feel like the boss wants them there, the boss will pay them for what they're doing, it will force that employee to better him or herself and it will also bring a lot of financial benefit to the shop and to the customer base. It's just such a win-win situation. So I really think the pay structure in automotive needs to change somehow. I'm not the one to uh, say exactly how that should happen. But I think if they look at it from a team approach instead of, well, this guy made this much money this month and, you know, talk to you later, that's a problem. I know there's one local company here in the uh, St. Louis area that promotes their own public relations with their employees through picnics and a Christmas party. And they take care of everything for the worker. The worker comes in, the bosses make sure there's plenty of food and they have a great time at these parties and these picnics. And I think it's a Big positive outcome because the some of those students that work for this company have approached me and said they love it because they think the boss cares about them. Yeah. Now that's what all these employees want. They want to know that their boss appreciates, respects, and cares about them. And it's not just about the money, although the money is an important factor.
1: Yeah, the, the money is an important factor. And you mentioned something there, and then, you know, and I've been in this industry several years, and so have you. And and that's something that I think we've been pretty lax at is creating that image of what the technician actually is. What a technician's job today is in, in diagnosing and repairing a vehicle isn't anything like it was 10 years ago, you know, even, even 30 years ago, how, how much different it is now. I mean, it's, it's drastically different. So creating that image and. You went into it and I hope, I hope our listeners, especially those who are shop owners, and I want to point this out is shop owners and dealership, fixed operation managers that are listening to this podcast, hear that you're talking about a shop that, you know, has picnics and, and shows respect for their employee. You're right. It's not all about money. Some of those things are added value and you know, let's face it, the technicians, what keeps a repair shop operating and it is. It is Richard taking care of those. I mean, you can have all the customers in the world and, and, and you know, this all the customers in the world and just waiting to get in your door. But if the technicians you have in the back, fixing those vehicles and repairing those vehicles, aren't satisfied and aren't good at what they do. Uh, the repair shop's going to falter. So, I mean, the technicians actually, in my opinion, the technician has, it has a huge amount of value in this industry. So as we talk about industry. What can the industry do? What can OE dealerships and independent repair shops and even OE manufacturers, what can they do, do you believe, that would help your students stay in the industry?
2: Well, I think one of the biggest things they can do is foster the mentality within their shop of a top-down approach to a professional shop. And like it or not, you know, when we're young, we take our cues from our parents on how we're supposed to live and view the world. And it's no different when you get into shops. These workers that come into these shops are going to take the mentality of the shop. And that mentality starts from the top. It starts at the top and it works its way down. And if you have a shop that fosters goodwill with customers, that fosters a caring and climate for their workers, that fosters high quality work and promotes education with the employees they have so they don't slip backwards in their fields and dots the I's and crosses the T's and make sure everybody understands this is the way we do things here. We are here to serve that customer as best we can. And if we can take care of that customer, they will return. If we don't take care of that customer, they're not going to return. They're going to go to a shop where they feel like they're cared about. So that's what the businesses want. They obviously want the work coming back through the doors to make some more money, to keep the shop rolling, to have an income, and to better themselves. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's a top-down mentality and how they approach that that I think makes a world of difference to a shop's success. I've seen shops where we've had students go in and come back saying the shop was so filthy they didn't even want to go to work there. And I've had students say they've been to a shop where it had such a poor reputation, they didn't want to be part of that reputation. And I'm thinking, boy, we need to have a good, long discussion about this with these students. So we've promoted that discussion actively in the classes where I talk about, okay, you want to go to this shop. What are they like? And before students leave my program and go out into a shop environment, I require the students have, number one, a resume, and I require that the students are properly prepared because that is the mentality that we foster here. I don't want them going out on a job interview where they don't look the part. I don't want them going out on a job interview saying, well, do you have an application and a pen? I want them going out on that job interview prepared for a professional shop arrangement. And they should expect it. And they should expect managers that are professional. They should expect the owners to be professional and to care about their shops. We have more women than ever in the workforce that are actually getting involved in getting their cars repaired. They don't want to walk into a shop that looks greasy and smelly with workers that have their shirts untucked. I equate to my students when they come into my classroom. I said, when you go to the doctor, do you really want your doctor coming in in dirty blue jeans and a t-shirt? Or do you want your doctor coming in with a lab coat? Who are you going to trust more? Who are you going to take more serious about their profession? Somebody who looks like they're ready to do the job properly or somebody that doesn't really care? I've been forced out of shops myself just because of the careless attitude of technicians when they walked up to the service counter. And I didn't even have a shop ticket written up when I had some tires done. I walked out of the shop and said, thank you for your time. I'll go to a shop where they're more professional. So I think the mentality and and what the industry can do is start by fostering a mentality of quality, of professionalism, of, hey, guys, we have a standard here. Now, the standard has long been there for the dealerships. They believe in having some pretty clean shops, so the customers see that, and they know they're a professional shop. But I'm seeing more shops that are involved in trying to look like a professional shop than ever before. We have one in the St. Louis area, no matter which one of those I go to, I am always greeted professionally with clean floors, clean windows, clean displays, everything looks good and organized. And those shops seem to be more professional than the other shops. And you and I both know that that first image is a lasting image. So if you give the image of a professional shop, when you walk in the door, you're going to start trusting them and believing them more. But if you walk in the door and you see a bad environment, shirts untucked, guys that don't really care, they don't seem like they care. That's also going to give an image out to your customer. And which image do you want to promote? That's the big question here.
1: Yeah. A couple of comments about what you, you wrote out. First off, this semester, when I was out there, you've got three young ladies that are in, in the program. All three seem very, they were very involved in the class, uh, not afraid to answer a question. And, you know, they have a bright future in this industry. And I've mentioned that many times on this podcast and we've had several professional female in the industry on the podcast as guests. And that's extremely important and, and you're right, but it goes back to, you mentioned that you had a student come back that didn't want to work at a shop because of the image they brought out. You know, I, I attribute that to the way that they're, they're brought up in, in your program you know, and where they're, they're training your program. So I'll give you credit for that. But you know, these students that are going out there and they're a different learner, maybe a different learner than me or you are. What kind of training can the industry bring? Because as we know, I mean, a technician that gets out there and in the industry, you know, the, the training doesn't stop when you graduate from Jefferson college, does it?
2: No. No, it doesn't stop here at all. And I try to impress that upon my students by having aftermarket training here at our facility. I think it's very important that they know this is not the end all. If you move into a different area like OEM, you're going to have OEM training. If you go into, and I'll just use a couple of, there's some chain stores. They have their own style of technicians training. And they say their technicians are certified because of this particular store's standards. So everybody has their own standards, but the learning never stops. I have to go through professional development every year. I mentioned before that I have gone through the Ford training up in the St. Louis area for new product development. I'm always, I'm required to go through additional training as part of being a teacher in the state of Missouri. And I'm also required to, to go through additional training as part of professional development for our NATEF accreditation out here. So I have to have at least 50 hours every year of additional professional training. And, Richard, it's not enough. It's not enough training. I know if I'm going to get more, I have to do it. And on our last accreditation visit that we had, the evaluation team leader from NATEF pointed out that he couldn't believe that the instructors out here were going through so much training. He said he sees places where they just do the very bare minimum I don't believe in the bare minimum because that means I'm going to give the bare minimum back to my students and I'm not going to do that. Right. I try to give my students the best education they can. I try to bring in as much aftermarket training as we can from a lot of different perspectives because they may not get everything they need from me, but if I have somebody else discuss it, they'll give them a little bit different point of view and they'll pick up on it a little bit differently. And that might be what trips their knowledge into oh, now I get it. Now I understand right. what he was talking about before. And so I think the aftermarket training that you provide, uh, we've had others come out here and provide, it's been uh, a very beneficial, not just from the training perspective, from, but from the perspective of the student knowing that learning never stops. And that's very true.
1: So these students, and I think I've got a pretty good idea what you're going to say to this, but as these students are, are rolling out, what what should they kind of focus on and kind of specialize in during your time with them what what do they need to look at for the future
2: i think some of the most important points that they need to look at is one they have to realize that if they're in an accredited program there's two sides to their education they have to be prepared to do the bookwork. and some students tell me i can't do the bookwork. i don't do well taking tests and i tell them you have to do well taking tests. This field, it requires reading for information. I don't care if it's in a textbook or if it's in an information system that's online, you have to learn to read for information. And I will help that student if they want to come into my office during my office hours. I tell them that they have to develop their hands on and that if they change a tire in my class, which is what NATEF wants, that does not make them a tire person. If they do an oil change, that does not make them an oil change technician. I make the students do the repetitive tasks over and over and over until they can get them down to where they have it at an industry acceptable time frame. I preach to the students efficiency because students in general are slow at what they do and there's nothing wrong with that. When they come into our program, it may take them their first oil change 45 minutes, but that's okay to me. If they do the job right, I'm fine with that because I know their next oil change will be 40 minutes. And the next oil change will be 35 minutes. And we can work that oil change down to about 20 minutes if we need to, and then we add additional services. So I stress to them, hands-on, hands-on. Get your hands on the tools and not just the hand tools. Don't be afraid to pick up power tools, to pick up a drill driver, to pick up an impact, to pick up an air chisel. Some of these students that come into our program I have to teach them how to use hammers, how to hold pliers, but once they start to learn how to do it, they can develop that skill, it makes them pretty valuable in the area that they're working because now they can actually put to use what they've learned in their head to their hands, and it makes it a whole lot easier for them to do the job. And I also, and this is very important, NATEF recently came out, and I thought it was a long time coming, but they recently came out with a group of soft skills that the students have to have. And I think that is critical to their success. And in my dealings with the students, some of them don't know how to shake a hand. They'll put out their left hand. They won't look somebody in the eye. And I have to teach them this stuff. This is how you shake a man's hand. This is how you develop your skills. If they're discussing something and they're arguing, I might step in and say, this is not getting us anywhere, is it? We have to try to work together. Because the more you work together, the more you can accomplish in your shop you can either work with somebody or you can work against somebody. And when you're in a professional shop setting, you need to work with people in order to learn as much as you possibly can. So soft skills are really important in our field right now. You don't want anybody coming in our shop, uh, treating other people and having customers see that because it's intimidating to other customers. Customers don't like it, especially the, the women customers when they see a man yelling at another man in the shop. I don't tolerate that behavior. I tolerate only respect in our shop. I allow nobody to curse in our shop because that is how shops run. You don't sit there and yell and scream and curse at people. You try to find ways to achieve common ground. You try to find ways to accomplish goals. And so there's a lot of facets that the students have to learn before they are prepared enough, in my opinion, to go out in the world of work. And I generally tell the students in our program, when you start my program, I say, you may get a job in a dealership. You may get a job in an oil change place. The choice of where you go is up to you. The choice you're going to make on whether you do your homework, the choice that you're going to make on whether you work on cars in the shop, the choice you make on how you treat people determines where you are going to get a job because I believe that it's not a good idea to put somebody who is not prepared into a situation where they're going to fail. So when students come to me in the end of their first eight week courses out here at the college, I sit down with them and I not only cover their grade, I cover how they're doing on the theory side and what they can do to improve, and I cover what they can do to improve in the shop. And then I will tell them what I think. I will tell them, you have potential. You have potential to be a manager in this field. You have potential to be a good technician in this field. You have a lot of potential, but then I also give them the drawbacks. I say, but one of your issues that I see in the field is you're not in class on time. You come in and you always want to get dressed after we start working in the shop. And that means you're late for work. So I deal with the good and the bad in an individual setting in my office. And I've learned through the years that that is the way to have the most lasting benefit. Because if you do it in a shop setting, if you have a situation where you correct somebody in the shop unless it's safety related, what you've done is you've gotten the person not to listen. They tend to shut down. But if I can bring them into my office and look them in the eye and sit down with them and talk to them, I can usually reach a point where I can change that student. I had one this past semester, I brought him into my office and I said, young man, you're not making it right now and you need to change. And he was kind of on the fence. He reached a point with me where I called him into my office and I said, you are on the borderline of a C and a D, and you have to have a C to continue in my class. And I could, by all right, not give you that C and give you the D. I said, but I'm going to give you a break. I said, I'm going to give you that C because you're right there on the verge of it. I said, but I want to see improvement in the shop because I won't do this again for you. And ever since I've done that, this student, and this was uh, within the past two weeks, has worked really hard for me. He's worked really hard in the shop and his grades are up. He just I just scored his last test and he got an A on it where he used to get C's and D's on his tests. So he's taken it seriously and it was a wake-up call. But that's one of the hats that a teacher wears. They have to do that as well.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and, and that's a great segue into the next thing I want to ask and of curious to hear is if you and and i know that you take a a personal interest in in every student i see it and i see it in their their responses to you discussions with you so i i see that and you mentioned in in discussions before about how you are constantly out talking to the industry and, and about your students and and you know you've got the high school students but if i was to put you and let's take Let's say I was to take you 60 miles from your home and ask you to speak to a group of prospective freshmen for a automotive program. What would you say to them?
2: Well, oddly enough, I do go to these places. I do go to local high schools and I speak on behalf of our industry to them. And they a lot of times have uh, very interesting questions they want to ask me. Sometimes I don't know where they come from, but there's other times when, yeah, I can see where they're coming from with that question. I would tell them that the honest truth about the field, in my opinion, which is the field requires a lot of hands-on work. It requires a lot of good problem-solving skills, analytical skills. It requires that students uh, work very hard because like anything, if you're going to be good at it in this life, you have to work hard at it. Unless you are gifted in a certain area, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to look towards what you want down the road as a goal. And some of these students can't see the goal down the road. They can't see where what I do right now is going to prepare me for down the road. So I try to talk to them uh, realistically about what the field has to offer and what the field is looking for right now and what they need to do to prepare themselves to get to a point of entrance into a career and technical program like automotive technology. I think that's important.
1: I think you're very true in saying that, tell them what's expected. I mean, that's, that's extremely important. And, and you mentioned it earlier in the conversation about how they get out in the field and it's, it's not what they expected. Well, being honest with them and, and providing that information at the beginning is, is extremely important. Right. Cause
2: if you have a student that you don't give them accurate information about concerning a field and they think, wow, I think I want to go in automotive. Cause that sounds like it's all going to be great. And they get in the field and find out that it's not what they wanted. Well, there goes your retention. You've just lost that student. Um, I had a student, oh, it's it's been more than 10 years ago. He came into our program and he learned a lot and he worked really hard and he was doing really well. And then I saw him about a year later and I said, how's it going? He said, oh, I got out of automotive. And I said, why? And he looked at me and he goes, well, it's too hot. And I said, what? He goes, it's too hot in the summer. I, I don't want to work in this kind of heat. He said, I'd rather work on computers. I've learned a lot here on, you know, electrical side. He goes, I'm just working on computers now. He said, I'm not working out in the heat. So being realistic with them is very important and telling them up front, listen, there's not going to be a free lunch here. If you're going to learn more, you have to actively get out and learn it. You have to be actively involved in your own education because really what it boils down to, and it's with any adult, is you are what you make yourself out to be. So if you're willing to work hard and promote yourself and do what you need to do, then that's, what's going to happen. But if on the same time you really don't care, well, that's what's going to happen. So life is going to happen either way. It's just a matter of how you are preparing yourself to deal with it.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with that Gerard. And so, I mean, we've had some great discussion and you brought up some great points and, and I appreciate you bringing those points. Uh, and I think, Some of them even were different perspectives for me. Uh, so I, I thank you for that. So, I mean, we've talked about your students, we talked about, and, and it's clear that you have a passion for your students and a passion for your, for your position there at Jefferson college. But if we was able to have you as a keynote speaker to the industry, and this is a little bit different setting, but industry professionals from all over, uh, OE, uh, independent repair shops. OE dealerships, OE manufacturers, aftermarket manufacturers, if you were the keynote speaker, what are maybe two or three specific points that you would want to bring out to them to help the students or or help you with your students?
2: I would say if you can, if you want to promote programs, the most important thing you can do is to ask the instructors at the program, what can I do for you? It would be great if I, and I have had some on our advisory committee, when I have asked them, we need to have this, we need to have that. Uh, recently, I approached my advisory committee and said, guys, on our last NATEF accreditation visit, uh, they said, we need more cars. I said, I need donations. I said, I'm asking you guys here in this room, and we, had about, we have about 20, 25 on our advisory committee. I said, I need cars. Can anybody help me? And I need engines. Can anybody help me? And Richard, since that discussion this past spring, after our NATEF uh, accreditation visit, I think we have received uh, 10 cars. So helping the program out by asking the instructors, what can I do for you to help you? So well, what can help me by producing higher quality students? Give them the newest technology that you can. If you can give them parts that are new technology, Maybe they can write them off. Maybe it's a a hailstorm and you can get rid of some cars that way. Maybe it's a car that somebody says, I really don't want that one anymore. And you really don't see that much value in it. It has a tremendous value to a school like ours. We have an old truck here that you have to pack wheel bearings on, that we have had the leaf springs out of, the transmission out of, the engine out of, the dash out of, numerous times. We've taken the brakes apart. I can't tell you how many times we've done it, but the donations really make a big difference to them, the students, that is, okay? Uh, And I would also say, the most important thing you can do for your shop, I believe, is to take care of your employees. And that means, not just financially. That means you make them feel like they're welcome. You make them feel like they're respected. You make them feel like they are worthy. They are valuable commodity because they are, and they're going to become more and more valuable as the years go on. And we see less and less people coming into the field and more people retiring from the field. I would say when you have employees work with them to develop their skill and ability, Because not all employees, and I've seen employees, I've had students here. And employees are no different. They're just older students sometimes. I've had students here that have attitudes, that have I-know-it-all attitude or I-don't-like-how-this-place-is-run attitude. Those behaviors can be changed in some cases. I have turned around students here. Now, at the same time, I've had students that just will not be turned around. And if that's the case, then you need to know how far you can go before you cut the ties. But if you have somebody that's worth it in the long run and you value them, they're going to want to stay with your company. That's the way the people are. Treat people like you want to be treated. If you treat them like you care, they will care about you. So if you take care of your employees, they're going to take care of your business. And again, it starts, Richard, I think from the top down. It's the mentality that is fostered from the owners from the business groups that transcends all the borders and it filters down to the employees. And if those employees feel like they're appreciated, like every Monday morning they got a job to do that makes a difference for that company. I think that's going to be a successful business.
1: Very good points. Very good points. So Gerard, we, we've hit on a lot of stuff. I mean, it's, and I see many topics that you've brought up and that we've discussed that could lead into another whole hour of, of podcast. So I, I thank you for that i thank you for taking your time away from your, st- your students uh you know I know you've got to get ready for your students here in just a little bit but you know i want to i want to express to you how thankful i am that you took the time out to to be a part of this podcast and and i think it's very important those listeners and and, and you know we we have listeners from all pieces and parts of the industry that, that listen to this and and uh, you know i i hope that and and i know there's nuggets of information that they need to need to listen to and and apply to their operations so i mean you have a passion for students you have a passion for education but do you have any hobbies that don't involve automotive in in the school
2: Uh, as a matter of fact i do one of my one of the hobbies that i have is I, i thoroughly enjoy the simplicity and the durability of old tractors i i enjoy restoring them on the side My students get a kick out of seeing the the finished product because I usually have a before and an after, and then I have pictures in between. I know my wife has taken a lot of pictures of them. She's done a a great job in kind of documenting the processes involved in in restoration of the tractors, and I talk to the students about it, and I kind of use that as a metaphor for their own learning in the field. You know, you're starting out rough like an old tractor. And we're going to bring that back to life. And just like we're going to bring you up to speed to be a technician where you can go out in the field and, and you can do your job. So it's kind of a metaphor for them when they see it. But I've always enjoyed working on old tractors. I enjoy working on older cars because that's where I started cutting my teeth years ago out of trade school. To me, that is fun. That and I enjoy spending a lot of time just with my wife because my kids are now all my children are now all moved out, they've moved on. I've got two children that are actually teachers in the field right now and they're doing very well. Uh, and I'm really proud of them. I'm proud of all my kids and all the stuff they've done. I spend a lot of time as a hobby, if you will, with my children. So I think that's one of the most important things in life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I, I see that in you, Gerard. I, I appreciate our, our friendship and, and you know and, and you allowing Technician Academy to to share information with your students I, I thank you for that and, I, and nothing but warm welcomes from Jefferson College when we get there so it's it's a great involvement with Jefferson College and Technician Academy I thank you for that I thank you for your time I know you're you're getting ready to go you got students showing up here just shortly uh, I need to go prepare your classroom and but I, I want to thank you and I sincerely want to want to thank you and your entire staff there they do a great job
2: Well, thank you, Richard. I appreciate that. And without the support I have from administration here at Jefferson College and the other instructors we have, we couldn't do what we do for the students. It's a team effort. It's a team effort here for the students. It's a team effort out there when they're working. It's got to be considered to be a team effort overall. And overall, with the team effort, you can move mountains. And I, I sincerely believe that. And we're just moving one rock at a time with the students until we move that mountain. So I look at it like life is a combination of little steps, and uh, I appreciate what you do coming out here to our program. And uh, we try to make the program the best that we can out here at Jefferson College. And if any listeners want to come out here and take a tour, I'd be more than happy to show them around.
1: That's great. That's great. And we'll be in touch. I do want to make you aware we're going to, we've got a new program. Uh, we're getting ready to announce that it'll be a, a benefit for the college students. So I'll be sending you some information on that. Uh, we'll be announcing that shortly. Uh, we're going to go, go to SEMA this next week, and that'll be the big announcement and unveil of it. But I'll be sure that you get the information, and it, it's directly related to the students and, and some advantages for them. So
2: Thank you very much.
1: Gerard, again, I thank you. I thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, until we speak again. All right. Thank you, Richard. All right. Thanks, Gerard. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Technician Academy podcast brought to you by Extend Performance. Don't forget to visit us online at technician.academy. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Technician.academy, built to educate.